1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Welcome back, Grant and Danny on the fin. Happy to have you with us on this Football Friday ahead of the championship games to be played in the NFL on Sunday, Someone's getting crowned a winner in the NFC and the AFC, and we'll know our Super Bowl matchup by the time Danny and I are chatting with you on Monday. Without further ado, though, let's go to the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com. Randy Miller, 2000 Executive of the Year uh, with The Athletic among countless other outlets right now. We love his insight. Try to get him on the show throughout the football season to give us that front office perspective. Randy, thanks for a few minutes and hopping on here in D.C. I want to start with the NFC Championship game. Lincoln Financial Field has become one of the toughest places to go play. How much a factor do you think the environment is in the two and a half points that the Eagles are favored by right now over a Niners team that hasn't lost since before Halloween?
3: Hey, good to be with you guys. and Thanks for having me on. I do think you're correct in that it is a tough spot for anybody to go much less a team with a rookie quarterback, right? That's played six games. So I think that's probably the one question that Brock Purdy hasn't checked the box with is a road game in a hostile environment. He's sure checked all the other boxes for me though. So I, I, I am not doubting him one, one ounce. Of course, it's easier when you put the talent around him like 49ers have done. I'm really looking forward to the game because I think it's clearly the two best teams in the NFC and the, the Eagles have been on our radar all season. 49ers, it seemed like, got on our radar once Brock Purdy got in there. And so it, it's been fun to watch them transform. Both teams are really uh, playing peak level at this point, especially the 49ers. And so it's going to be fun to watch.
4: So for both teams in this game we're talking about here, Randy, they're both stepping up in weight class here, right? I mean, you, you, you don't take anything away from either of these teams. As you mentioned, San Francisco hasn't lost, you know, since October of, of last year, Philadelphia's been great all year long. But you look at some of the strength of schedule, college football style, and it's not exactly that not exactly they've been beating a bunch of heavyweights each week. For both teams, I think this is the best team they've played all year. Which one do you think handles that better?
3: Well, I think both of them are seasoned. This is an equal game. Both of them have kind of been battle-tested. Obviously, San Francisco a year ago went to Green Bay. They've won some tough road games the last couple of years. And we know what Philly's all about. So I don't know that it really favors anybody. You know, if this, this was a heavyweight fight, the tail of the tape would be pretty even. And then sometimes it's how do you react when you get punched in the face? And that may be what happens here. I think the physicality that the Eagles bring is something that I don't think the 49ers have seen a ton of. So maybe that's a little bit different from the wins that they've been able to put together. We know the Eagles can run the ball in a power way. Um, I don't know that the pressure the 49ers can put on other quarterbacks really equates against the Eagles' offense because of the way Jalen Hurts can tuck it and run and the design of their offense, really. So maybe that's the one factor we're unclear on, um, but I don't think it really favors either one, to be honest with you.
2: Randy Mueller on Grant and Danny, previously served as the GM in the NFL of the Dolphins and the Saints, and he's currently running the front office for the Seattle Sea Dragons of the XFL. Uh, Randy, I'm, I'm curious. You mentioned Purdy. I think if San Francisco wins, one of the takeaways is going to be that you can do this with a rookie quarterback, maybe drafting a guy later on, and that feels dangerous to me because this is more about everything else that San Francisco does. I just wonder if you agree with that, or do you think that this will be proof that teams can and should try to replicate this model?
3: Well, good luck. If you can draft a guy in the seventh round and have him play like this, I think everybody would take that model. I think there is a little bit of luck involved in that. The good thing the 49ers have, though, is, they have veteran pieces around him. Their offensive line has played really good. I mean, obviously you have Debo Samuels, you have Kiddles, you have a running game called by Kyle Shanahan. I think that formula itself has lended itself to be very successful even before Purdy took over. I think the, if you can draft a rookie quarterback, I think this one has broken the mold. And I keep trying to find out, and I watch the tape after each game, so I don't just see the TV copy. I'm looking to find that fatal flaw. And I have yet to find it with Brock Purdy. The only thing I can probably say is maybe his arm strength is average, and that's probably why he got drafted so late. These teams and, and evaluators around the league, when you see pro days and Indianapolis workout, the first thing that jumps out at you in a guy like Purdy, as well, is average. His arm is just average. But what he does do is he makes up for it by having great anticipation, very instinctive, and pinpoint accuracy. And the degree of difficulty of the throws he's making isn't high. So I think it all adds up to a pretty good formula. I don't see Kyle Shanahan calling a different game for Brock Purdy than he did with with uh, uh, Garoppolo. So I don't think he's holding back anything. I think he's rolling out the whole offense, which kind of is surprising because you'd think a rookie like this, you would have uh, half of a field reads, you would do some things on rollouts to get him out of the pocket, that's really not what he's done. He has rolled out some, but for the most part, he's processed information from the pocket and delivered the ball on time. So it's hard to, it's hard to uh, dispute the results that he's gotten, but I think it is definitely the uh, not the norm when you draft rookie quarterbacks, that's for sure.
4: Randy Mueller with us here, longtime NFL exec uh, on Grant and Danny. And Randy, when I, was, when I was younger, I used to play Madden a lot. I turned the difficulty down, and I would try to stat build for my teams in franchise mode. They would kind of look like the stats the Eagles put up this year, both in terms of sacks, which is just unbelievable. We'll talk about that in a second. But offensively, so proficient at running, and then a couple receivers ho-hum, you know, around 1,300 yards apiece, you know, close to double-digit touchdowns. Where are they best – And on on that offensive side of the ball, like I know they run it so well, but they can also kill you in the passing game with some of those big plays. Where do you think they're most efficient and best suited to attack San Francisco?
3: Well, I definitely think the running game is what makes them click, and they throw the ball off of that running game. And it's really the style that comes to mind, first of all, for me. They are a downhill, run it right down your throat type group, especially when the quarterback is really another running back. And that's kind of what they presented each week, and then they throw off of that. There's no question that the quarterback has gotten better at dropping back and throwing the ball from the pocket. They've progressed their passing game as much as anybody in the league right now. And I think that's all based on the fact that they can run the ball. So that's probably the biggest difference. It's almost like, and this isn't uh, disrespectful, it's just that it's almost like a single wing attack. They, when they do throw it, you are wide open and people, they lull people to sleep when they make those throws. So it's fun to watch. It's much more exciting than I thought this style would be, and I credit Nick Ceriani. I credit Shane Steichen. They have developed a system that this quarterback skill set fits perfectly for, and the kid has been great the last couple of years, especially this year. Yeah, Steichen,
2: the quarterback's coach, and his boss, Kafka, the OC, both going to be getting head coaching jobs or interviews over the next couple of years. Uh, Randy Mueller with us on Grant and Danny. All right, let's pivot to the afternoon game. So that's a 3 o'clock kick. Uh, I should say, I guess, your, your evening game, 6.30 East time, AFC Championship game between the Bengals and the Chiefs. How much of a factor do you expect Mahomes' ankle to be?
3: Oh, I think it's going to be a factor. I don't think you can get away from that. And I know Kansas City's trying not to make it into a big deal, and even the early parts of practice that have been filmed by the media don't show anything but a fairly normal Pat Mahomes moving around, but I think it's definitely going to be a factor. I think um, the, the, the Bengals will know where Pat Mahomes is going to be, and that makes it tough because they will find ways to pressure him, but what also they do is they, uh, they, they run coverages uh, and execute them maybe at the highest level. I think their secondary may be as good a tackling group as there is, It's going to be a different game with Mahomes not being able to make the wow plays and running around and and really extending plays. Now, I know we say he's going to play and everybody seems to think he's okay. I think it's going to be a factor without a doubt.
4: What's the best way to counter it? Because obviously Cincinnati's defense is pretty good. They just shoved it on Buffalo this past week. If you're Kansas City, how do you protect that ankle and still be proficient on offense?
3: It's going to be tough. I think what, what Cincinnati may end up doing is they may end up pressing receivers. They want to disrupt timing because they want Mahomes to have to hold the ball. Now, they don't blitz a lot. They have not blitzed a lot, so I don't see that changing. They have pressured with four for the most most part all year long. But I think what you'll see them do is they'll they'll – they play press at the line and, and get in the receiver's face. How Kansas City combat that, I don't know. I think they're going to have to run the ball to be effective, though, and that's easier said than done against Cincinnati's defense. Kansas City's going to have to find ways to control the clock, to keep Burrow off the field, and do some things in the running game that we haven't seen them do consistently all year.
2: On the other side of the ball, when the Bengals have the football with Joe Burrow, Chris Jones coming off of a arguable defensive player of the year-type season at a presser today where he said, I'll see you guys at Burrowhead Stadium as he walked out. Obviously getting some motivation out of the Bengals, talking as if they own the Chiefs. How do you break down Cincinnati's offense and Kansas City's defense?
3: I think it's a fun matchup, and and I don't know that you can do much about Joe Burrow. Everybody keeps saying the Bengals' offensive line has left him exposed. They They haven't been able to protect him. They protected him pretty good last week against Buffalo. I do think Kansas City can rush the passer a little better than Buffalo, so that's going to add some to it. But there seems to be a, something going when Burrow plays the Chiefs. I mean, they're 3-0 against them. He finds people that are open. Jamar Chase has big games. I just think it's going to be hard to shut that part down. I don't know what you do with Burrow because I think there's always more in the tank with Joe Burrow. So whatever you do to him, if you do pressure him, He's going to find a way to exist in the pocket, and then before you know it, he's going to run 15 yards for a first down. So I think he's one of the hardest guys to defend, if not the hardest, because you, he always has a second pitch. You might figure out the first pitch, but he's going to come back with a changeup, and that just goes to the credit of, of really what they're doing. Zach Taylor's done a really good job this year, and I think has grown into being a really good head coach. It's taken some time, but they're executing now at third and fourth level stuff in their offense, and that is always hard to stop.
4: I feel like Joe Mixon is going to have a big game. And I know I'm, I'm overly overweighting. I think, last week, Randy, where he was so good uh, against Buffalo. But I feel like that's the idea, right? You're so afraid of Burrow and that trio of receivers yep. beating you that it'll give chance uh, for Mixon for some of those body blows uh, as you go. Can you see that happening?
3: I do. I think that's a good point. I do think the Cincinnati's going to run the ball a little bit. It's not like Kansas City shut down running game week after week. So I think there's sometimes vulnerability there. But Cincinnati will do it smart. They'll use mixing in a lot of ways. The other thing Cincinnati does is they can throw some short routes, some bubble screens to, to simulate a runny game, and they're going to have to do that as well. I just think both these games, guys, not only is it the best four teams, I think it's the great matchups that we always want to see, and it doesn't always end up to be a great game, but I think in these two matchups, there's going to be some really cool stuff to watch for football fans at at, at levels of expert level, you know, not just basic football. This, these guys are operating at a high level that's as good as any I've seen the last six or eight years in the playoffs.
2: Randy Mueller, former executive of the year in the NFL, multi-time GM with a couple organizations, joining us on Grant and Danny. Brandon Bean made a comment that's gotten a lot of uh, headlines, I'm sure you saw, I think it was yesterday, when he discussed the Bills versus the Bengals, and he said, look, they have the benefit right now of Joe Burrow being on a rookie contract, and essentially said that that's a huge advantage for them against the Bills and some other teams have already paid QBs. We've never seen a top three paid quarterback or top, I think it is four quarterback situation financially, win a Super Bowl. I mean, guys like Roethlisberger and Rodgers and Wilson, they all won before they got paid, and it's a different world after you pay Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes curious to see what you thought about the comment from Bean, but also just you know, how hard it is to win when you've paid a quarterback, even though you got to keep these elite guys in your building.
3: Yeah. I, I thought my take on Brandon's comments were, were fact. I think he's telling the truth and I don't think he was sending a back end and compliment the Bengals way. These builds are all different depending on where you are. Salary cap wise, it's, It's always the same in that you're allocating resources, and that's the bottom line. You not only have to evaluate, you have to value, and and that's two different things, and you've got to fit them together. I think what Brandon's saying, and I don't think it's an excuse, they did pay Josh Allen. They've paid some people along the way. They've got to find ways to still maybe identify younger, ascending talent to get better. Let's face it, the Bills weren't good enough, and I think they know that now, so maybe this kind of slap in the face does wake them up a little bit, but they've got to be more creative. I think any team that pays a quarterback or that has decided to pay a receiver or two some million, dollars, you've got to be creative with the rest of your cap, and I think that's what Brandon's saying is they do have an advantage because they aren't paying Joe Burrow $50 million a year, but what's coming down the road is, is a train, and, and the headlights are shining bright, <laughs> and Joe is going to get paid, and so is Justin Herbert and some of these other guys probably this offseason.
4: Randy Mueller with us here on GND. So I think you touched on this earlier, Randy. These are four excellent teams. I don't think we can go wrong with any matchup here, whoever wins these conference championship games. But just for you, in terms of whether it's rooting interest, most fun matchup, contrasting styles, take it wherever you want, what Super Bowl matchup would you most prefer?
3: You know, I don't really have a rooting, rooting interest. I think I always root for the most proficient. I root for players sometimes. I root for coaches, people I see, people I've worked with. So I have a little bit of a soft heart that way. But I, I, I don't think you can go wrong with any 49er piece matchup because you're talking about different dichotomies. Um, but I'm not going to say that the Bengals, the Eagles matchup wouldn't be pretty good either. So I really don't. That's a hard one for me. I don't see any of these teams being more attractive to watch on Super Bowl Sunday because of the fact that I think these are the four best.
2: All right, quick change of pace, and we'll let you out on this. But I think this quarterback market this offseason could be Absolutely robust and a lot of fun. I'm curious if you think there's going to be more bark than bite, though. There's talk about Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, obviously the Niners with Garoppolo and Lance maybe hitting the market, Derek Carr, possibly that Geno Smith, Ryan Tannehill tier, Daniel Jones. Do you think this is going to be an an all-time offseason from a quarterback movement perspective, or do you think it, it sounds better than it ends up being?
3: I think it's going to be a pretty good movement year for sure i totally agree because i think brady's going to change teams i think a, a number of these guys are already going to change teams you mentioned Derek carr and i happen to be one who believes rogers is going to have a different home at the end of the year either at, at the end of the off season. so some big name guys are going to move um, then you've got the geno smiths and the mike whites and you mentioned Daniel Jones, but you got Jimmy G. You've got some other guys, second-level players. They're going to be finding homes as well. So I think it will be a pretty good quarterback carousel this offseason. And, of course, that makes our jobs easier, right? We have a lot of stuff to talk about.
2: <laughs> Thank you as always, Randy. Really appreciate it, man. Enjoy the games this weekend.
3: Thanks, guys. Take care.
2: Always wonderful. Love having Randy on. Good to have a former executive of the year breaking things down with us. I actually want to get back to that with you in just a couple of minutes and talk about the quarterback musical chairs that might happen. There was a list compiled I saw online of all the things that could actually be in play, and it's unlike any list going into the offseason we've ever seen. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you this all happens, but the possibilities all the way down to... The Bears have the number one pick. Uh huh. Their quarterback is Justin Fields. They probably just ride with him and trade back. So that in and of itself, I think, is wild. Yes. Because someone's going up and getting Bryce Young, probably. But let's say the Bears... Trade Justin Fields and take that number one pick and use it on a quarterback. You're adding another potential star playmaker at the quarterback position into the conversation. So I think that's pretty fun. Uh, Anything stick out to you, though, in terms of what he thinks about these two games? Most people are saying at this point they kind of feel like Mahomes' ankle is not going to be much of a factor. I disagree with that, so I liked hearing someone who I consider to be way more an expert than me saying... Let's not pretend like this isn't a thing. Because I was watching the video of practice from yesterday. Uh Uh-huh. He's moving around okay, it seems like. But if he can't scramble all over the place before he throws, then it's not Patrick Mahomes. Right. He like he's always got
4: that weird not non sport. Like not when he's in the game, but he's always got that weird shuffle. He is the
2: weirdest run ever. His
4: gait is not like a normal thing, right? When he's just jogging around or walking or whatever. It looks like a like an old man that just played seven hours of the YMCA. Say, he you know?
2: runs like a stiff person who's out of shape. Like, he, his elbows, his arms are at a 90-degree angle. Uh-huh. His elbows and his, like, hands are just kind of, like, flat and kind of barely moving. And then he does a little, like, shuffle walk.
4: Yeah, so, like, it's his, very strange. his shuffle walk around, you're like, is what's wrong with him? Is he okay? But then, like, in-game, he's he's so elusive and he's quick. And he's not sprint speed fast, not world-class. He's not beating, you know, Tyson Gay in 100 or anything. But if he can't make that one little escape, that one quick start, that one plant, that little subtle movement that he is a master of, that's a game changer for me. So yeah, that that was certainly something. And I like the idea that, I mean, obviously mostly because he agreed with me, but I feel like this is a Joe Mixon game, who didn't put up huge numbers this year for the Cincinnati offense. Because he's the fourth option, and he's pretty good, but their passing game is so good, you really didn't need him all that often.
2: I think he might have another monster game in, in this one. It would be two straight Joe Mixon games. Two straight. Last week was a Joe Mixon game. Yep. I'm just glad to see you've come back around on Joe Mixon after he cost you the uh, confidence points picks pool last year and he forced you into a, a really pull. bad punishment. It's a great pull. You and Darris going into the Super Bowl had the exact... Same picks except for one pick because mm-hmm. you strategically. It was the three-point play. Yeah, You just took everything Darius did, and then you went opposite his three-point play because you were two points behind. So him. whatever
4: Darius said, I was just going to say the opposite. And he picked something that hadn't happened but once over the last four weeks or five
2: weeks or ten weeks or something like that. Joe Mixon over like 63 rushing yards. And in then, the of course, Bowl. it happened right away. It wasn't even any his mystery. His first carry was for 18 yards, and yeah. we were all like, Danny's screwed. Here we go. <laughs> Handing out flyers with his own picture on it in but front you're of Nats back, Park. Danny, you're back on Joe Mixon. After not saying his name for most of this season, after
4: he cost me an awful lot, it took
2: what year is it now? It so I, I needed the rest of the year. Gotcha. I needed eight nine months to get over it. Twenty twenty three. Yeah, Joe back. I can back. say it. Could this actually turn out to be the biggest quarterback movement off season ever, or do you think it's going to be much ado about nothing? We'll run through all the possible machinations of the stars, but we'll open up the phones on this as well. Eight hundred. 636 1067. If you want to join us on the MGM National Harbor listener lines on Grant and Danny,
3: I think it's going to be a pretty good movement year for sure. I totally agree because I think Brady's going to change teams. I think. A number of these guys are already going to change teams. You mentioned Derek Carr, and I happen to be one who believes Rodgers is going to have a different home at the end of the year, either at, at the end of the off season. So some big name guys are going to move. Um, then you've got the Geno Smiths and the Mike Whites, and you mentioned Daniel Jones, but you got Jimmy G. You've got some other guys, second level players. They're going to be finding homes as well. So I think it will be a pretty good quarterback carousel this off season. And of course, that makes our jobs easier, right? I do
2: love Randy Mueller slipping in a Mike White there. It's like, Ray uh, Rodgers and Brady and Geno Smith and Mike, Mike White. White. I'm sorry, what? Who? Huh? Oh. Wait. Where's he going? What's Harrison? happening? He'll. But he does have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady changing teams. Man. If that happens this offseason, this is the biggest quarterback movement offseason ever. Those are two of, in my opinion, the three best quarterbacks to ever live, but certainly two of the greats of all time at the position. Lamar Jackson of the Ravens, I would say, is maybe the number one question in terms of prime of their career, MVP caliber players. Rodgers obviously won the last two MVPs since Jackson has, but different situation just because of his age, in my opinion, whereas Lamar has got another eight, nine years ahead of him possibly at the quarterback position. But Jackson and the Ravens don't know what's going to happen. Rodgers and the Packers, Jordan Love waiting in the wings. Brady and the Bucks. I think most of us are anticipating he's moving on. I know you're not as sold necessarily on that. 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, what do they decide to do? I think they roll with Purdy, and they let Garoppolo walk. That's obvious, but I think they trade Trey Lance. I really believe he'll be available uh, as a former top-five pick who's played for three minutes. There's still some promise there, yeah. Derek Carr, Alton Vegas, he's going to be someone else's starter. Geno Smith's going to stay in Seattle, in my opinion. I think Tannehill probably stays in Tennessee for one year. Jones either gets tagged or stays with the Giants. But Zach Wilson could be on the market. Uh, The Falcons and Marcus Mariota, if you're interested in that. The Colts might trade up to the number one spot with the Bears. The Saints are interesting with Winston and Dalton. The Cardinals have to find a starter for Kyler Murray's injury. The Texans and the Panthers might be drafting guys in the top ten. The Commanders could be factoring into this. What do you think? More smoke, more fire? How's this going to go?
4: So it, it all depends on what your definition is, right? Like if our quarterbacks changing teams? Oh yeah, totally. That's every year. But this year, you just laid it out is is different, right? Because a your normal there's a vacuum of difference making quarterbacks, and the number of franchises need them. Path through the draft, path through you know aging veteran who's run out his welcome in one city, whatever it is, right? So that's that's kind of your normal. What's not normal is what you just said. Well, Lamar Jackson before he's age 25. That's not normal. Tom Brady, not normal. Aaron Rodgers, not normal. Derek Carr, who I don't think all that much of, but still has been with one franchise for what, seven years, eight years? He's put up some pretty good numbers, better than your average bear. That guy might be on the move. This isn't just your normal uh, you know, Carson Wentz. Baker Mayfield, kind of Case Keenum tier of Jags that are playing musical chairs or the Andy Daltons of the world. This is some frontline guys. These are guys that are on fantasy teams. It's kind of the, my, my dividing line, right? Not just the back of the of uh, of the of the league starters, but like bona fides. And the intrigue around the number one overall draft pick and what the Bears do who hold all the cards is also fascinating in all
2: this. What a set of ingredients. I'm really confident that it's fireworks. I'm it right. feels me. Yeah, make. I think it's going to be a blast to watch and to monitor and to get to talk about. We're going to have a pretty sweet gig sitting front row here in Afternoon Drive on 106.7 The Fan and talking about all this for the next several months. I would bet just about anything that Tom Brady leaves the Bucs and plays somewhere else next season. I don't have a great feel as to where that is. My hunch would be Miami. I don't know how they sort their situation out if Tua is healthy and available to play, although Mm -hmm. right now we got a report today that he's still in the protocol as it is. But I think that Tom Brady leaves Tampa, and picks a team where he can win a Super Bowl, whether that's Miami or maybe that's San Francisco if, they, if they're they not sold on Purdy, whatever happens the next couple of weeks. I think he's somewhere else on a contender. The Rodgers and Jackson scenarios I'm less confident about, but I could see both of those guys leaving. If I had to... Put a percentage on both. Yeah, so Brady, I'm 95% sure will play for someone other than the bucks. Lamar Jackson, I'm going to say I am 55% sure will be somewhere else. Like I would expect wow. it but not, but barely, if huh. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe 52%. Rodgers, I'm going to say 45%, something like that. But can you imagine, let's just say all three of those guys, those are three of the MVPs Five biggest star names at the position. Yeah,
4: I mean, so I'm I'm always skeptical, Sam, on these things. I was the guy who was like, Brady will always be in New England, just not true at all. Like Russell Wilson, of course, he's not going anywhere in Seattle. Traded. So I'm always far more cynical about these things until they happen, and then what the like horses' ass. Yeah. So for me, I'm I'm way on the other side. Not for Brady. I think I think it's probably seventy five percent chance he's out of there, right? But for Rogers and. Lamar Jackson. I'll do Rodgers first. I feel like this is the annual rite of passage for him, where it's cryptic, weird stuff with Pat McAfee and and you know statements and then clarifying statements. And I got to see how I feel. I feel like I've read all these quotes before. They just changed the date on me. So for him, I feel like whatever this is, he loves doing this. But a lot and I'll end up has back changed. There. They didn't
2: make the playoffs. Yep, he had his worst year in a long time. Totally true. He was yelling at more teammates than normal. He was talking about his wide receivers. His best buddy Devontae Adams isn't there. And I'm overstating what I'm about to say, but on purpose. He's given them the ultimatum that he won't come back if they don't bring back Randall Cobb and David Bakhtiari and Mason Crosby, who's 100, as their kicker. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not a particularly good GM. And like, no. he really wants to help them pick all these players just because he wants his friends to be on the team. Totally. At some point, that becomes more a pain in the butt than he is good. It's, And we're rapidly approaching that. I just,
4: I don't know. I, I just, you're 100%, everything you're saying is correct. I'm still I just can't get over my skepticism that he's ever going to do anything except for agitate and end up back in Green Bay. So I put that at 25%. Probably too low. For Lamar Jackson, I just I just don't believe they're going to do it. I have no good reason. None. I've seen how this has gone. I see that they're still sort of saying friendly things. And I'm not monitoring and refreshing his Instagram. So I don't know if he's followed or unfollowed any teams or players or otherwise. I don't really play that game. But I just sort of feel like Baltimore's going to do something. He's backed him in no corner. He's made it tough for him. But I still feel like you're not going to get rid of a former MVP before
2: he's you know 26 years old. I, again, not a great argument. So I'm, I'm probably at 30% that he goes somewhere else. JB on Twitter just asked me, he says, I got to know, you just said Brady and Rodgers are two of your top three of all time. Who's the third? I'm going to guess Manning. Yeah, Peyton Manning, best quarterback to ever live as far as I'm concerned. He's my number one. Let's go to Paul in D.C. What's up, Paul? How are you?
5: Hey, what's up, fellas? How you doing? I'm, I'm kind of with uh, Daniel. Man, this, is, this is, with Aaron Rodgers, he's not going anywhere. Aaron Rodgers needs to be loved, man. And at the end of the day, it's the same old stuff. First of all, who's going to trade for him with $50 million a year after the year he just had? I mean, I'm sure it might be some gullible GM out there, but I mean, I, when you're looking at the landscape of the NFL, you see who's in the last four standing, right? All of these young guys are taking over. And then with the 49 Nineers, you'll be a fool to trade Trey Lance because you see, you're only one injury away from needing him. So, I mean, maybe you let Garoppolo go, but then he got showed the issue. So, I just don't think that it's going to be as much movement as possible, like people are saying, because Brady might leave, but he's probably going to go to the Raiders. Right. That's why Josh um, McDaniels got rid of Derek car, but that's not going to be great. You know, he, he's never going anywhere unless it's like a whole lot of stuff around him. So, I mean, I just feel like there's a whole bunch of fluff, you know, fluff and fluff and a whole bunch of, you know, threats and all of that stuff. But I mean, it's going to be the same recycling of the old quarterbacks: Tyrod Tellers, the Jacoby Brissett. It's really-
2: <laughs> it could definitely end up Thank that you, way. Buddy. That's definitely the the. Floor. But that's always. That's every it, year. Yeah, that's just normal. That's how the offseason goes. I think Vegas does make sense for Brady. Don't forget that Gronk at some point in some interview along the way basically said that was the master plan was that Brady was headed there, and somehow Dana White was involved, I think it was, or oh, yeah. Joe Rogan or something. forgot about that. Something I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But Gronk, Gronk basically spilled the beans that that was in the works at one point before Brady started talking to Miami and eventually Tampa Bay. So I could see Vegas happening. Stars go to Vegas, man. He, he could set up a residency. You know, I, He's not going to win a Super Bowl there. He, he has benefited immensely his whole career from being in terrible divisions where none of the other teams except for his team were any good. That was the case somehow inexplicably after he went to the NFC South. Like Everyone just became bad. That is not that division. You're going to play with Herbert and the Chargers, made the playoffs this year. The Chiefs have won the division seven straight years. Second best run other than the Patriots of Brady and Belichick, I think, ever. Uh, And And your slouch is
4: the Broncos. The
2: Broncos, I know they got a bad Russell Wilson situation. That's an awesome defense. They're pretty competitive before this year. They got pieces. Every year when they had adult coaches like Vic Fangio. So... I wouldn't want to hop to that division necessarily and and hitch my wagon to to Josh McDaniels. I could see it happening. I get that. I think it's a a sharp point. On Rodgers, I'll advocate one more time for, for him not being a Packer for these couple of reasons. So he says no one's taking on $50 million. Well, you don't have to. His cap hit this year is $31 million. That is extremely affordable. That is lower than... You tell me, I I would guess nine guys in the league this year, probably. Yeah, this
4: coming season, it's a bunch. I don't have it right in front of me, but it's a bunch of guys. Back-end
2: top 10 quarterback money. It's a couple million dollars more than Washington took on for Carson Wentz, as an example, this year. A team will absolutely pay Aaron Rodgers $31 million this year. Now, after that, you are inheriting a massive figure. It jumps up to 40. That's bad. That's not a deal-breaker. It's the two years at the end of the contract in 25 and 26, which I don't think he'll ever get, ages 42 and 43, where he would be due $59 million and $53 million in cap space. But if you bring him in for this coming season, there is a potential out ahead of 2024, so it could be a one-year deal basically, where you would be able to spread $24 million in cap space over the next few seasons. And basically, you're paying $31 million against the cap this year, and then like a $24 million future fine have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback to try to win a Super Bowl where you could just keep him for a couple of years and then eventually tack on some voidable years and and worry about the dead money way down the road. But when we talk about, yeah, he wasn't the same this year, he really struggled, he was worse than normal, it was 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 12 picks. It was still numbers that would rank him somewhere around 14th in the NFL in the worst year he's probably ever had. That's right,
4: with with zero weaponry. Right? And he
2: won two of the last three MVPs. So I think teams would line up for Aaron Rodgers. I really do. Just for reference,
4: 700K against the cap, more than uh, Jared Goff coming into this coming year, right, for
2: 2023. So that that is as bargain as you'll find. I mean, you just you just can't tell me teams don't want to engage. And you say, well, what about a few years from now? GMs aren't going to have their jobs. Head coaches aren't going to have their jobs. Like They don't care about three or four years from now. Ask Sean McVay and Les Snead. (laughs) Sean McVay is going to be doing a a game on NBC in three years. He does not care about trading first-round picks or or what the cap situation is going to look like down the road. Grant and Danny on the fan. Our double play is next. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. Remember, in 20 minutes, 4 o'clock, our Beltway Blitz, we're giving away tickets to the D.C. Auto Show right at the top of the hour at 4, right here on the fan.
4: So, Danny, uh-huh. let's figure out how you are winning off the field. So, I've got two, if that's even allowed. I don't even know if it is, but we're sort of just going with it, right? I feel like that's a thing. So, you and I are in this room. We're just looking at each other, like talking and debating and sometimes arguing and sometimes like making fun of. And then sometimes Ryan explains stuff. Like, we don't, I don't know. You never know if people are listening or not. I happen to know that some people are listening. I know that right now, this minute. Shout out to my longtime teammate, Sergeant Matt Krimmel and his unit with the uh, Metro Police Department. They're out and about. Not only are they listening, but Sergeant Krimmel just got himself a 24-inch Danny Rouyer from Bub and Pops. Yeah. He let me know. He sent me a picture of that bad boy. It's on the hood of his uh, police cruiser. Look at the size of this thing, Jeeps. Look at the size, not only of the car, but of the sandwich. That's... I'd- that's your full Monty. That's a big sandwich. That's a big one. a big sharing
2: it with a couple people?
4: You don't share.
2: Well, 24 inches is a little bit It's much.
4: It's a little overindulgent. I'm going to tell you this, though.
2: The He's best- probably going to have to wrap half of it or three, two-thirds of it up and no, take no, it No, no, no. He's like I am.
4: When he sets out to do something, it gets done hmm. in, the, in the realm of food. The best thing about the Bub and Pop, Danny Rouillet is there's no substitutions because the menu is correct, okay? If you want a substitution, make it yourself. Go home. The second part is there's no sharing. That's the beautiful thing about the Danny uh, Ruye bubble. He doesn't
2: pops. need a nightstick. You can just conk someone with that sub. That's a big damn sub. It's
4: a big boy. So that's the first way that I am.
3: Winning off the field.
4: The second way is I was at the DC Auto Show this morning, right, with the kids, and uh, somebody came up and said, hey, man, I don't want to bother you with your family, but I just want to let you know that I love you and, granted, listen to you guys all the time.
1: Oh, what a sweetheart.
4: Isn't that a nice thing? What a nice... Shook thing. my hand, and then he said, said to his girlfriend, this is Danny, and she didn't care at all. Yeah, that's but, always funny. But he did. Therefore, I am winning off the field. My
2: line generally when a guy comes up and his girlfriend is with him and he introduces himself and he's like, oh, this is, you know, so-and-so, she's my girlfriend, whatever I say. Oh, so you, he makes you listen like when you're in the car too. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, sorry about that. Sorry. It's fine. It's fine. But there's no like, oh, it's, uh, you guys are great. Like, I don't mind. There's none of that. It's like, yeah, you're right. That's correct. He makes me listen. (laughs) It is a miserable experience. And thank you for acknowledging. I find you guys so irritating. That you have some empathy for me. Uh, how about this one for me? My parents came up to the house today to watch the kids this afternoon for a few hours. My mom, it sounds like, did some crafts with the uh, former presidents, and they had a good old time. My dad, my mom, and my kids, which is always great when you can see your parents and your kids interacting. Very, very fun. Always heartwarming. And because of that, me and my wife got to go out to lunch, which we never do. Ooh. So we went and snuck in a quick lunch. Where'd you go? She went shopping after that. We went to Clyde's at Mark Center. Just an underrated little gem in Northern Virginia. People sleep on the fact that there's a Clyde's right there in Alexandria. I love Clyde's. Over by Seminary Road. Something was going on there, by the way. There were no fewer than 40 men that were probably over 85 years old. All, like, going in there. At the Clyde's? Yeah, I think there's, like, this... I I know that my wife's grandpa at one point was in a group of people, like, down in Orange County, Virginia. I think they were called, like, the Romeos or something. Okay. It's just like a club of old guys, uh-huh. and they get together, and, like, they'll go to Burger King at 8 in the morning. That's just a thing that they well, do. So was
4: literally about to bring it up. Every time we pit stop on the way, like, down to the Outer Banks or something like right. that, you're in, some, like, rural route blank. And, like, the Starbucks is butt-packed at 8.15 in the morning with, like, 75 So it's a, old it's people. a bit. Like, they yeah.
2: have clubs, and it makes sense. I just watched a, a man called or a man named Otto. Man whatever, named Otto, the, yeah. And, uh, and this guy is, like, you know, his wife has passed, and he's just kind of on his own, and he he finds reasons to, every morning, like, feel like he's got something to do, so he does his rounds, and he makes sure everyone's got their decals hanging in their window. So it makes sense. As you get older, you got to have an activity, and you just, you just go meet at Burger King in the morning. And, like, we're going to get a sandwich and talk about, you know, when movies were 23 cents or whatever it is that you're doing. And, but I realized, first of all, so just because I went to that restaurant, yep. and I had a good time, and my parents... We're kind enough to watch the kids, therefore I am. Winning off the field. But I wish right now, I think this is makes me crazy, I would touch a button right now to just be one of those guys. You're going to miss a lot of time, but I see your point. Like I don't want to have to do the rest of it. I don't want to have to work. I don't want to have to come in here and, and like pitch topics. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to have to drive around. I just want to go to Clyde's at 10 a.m. I just want to yep. meet at Burger King twice a week and just talk to people about you know uh Cornelius Griffin playing defensive tackle a bunch of years ago.
4: I have made that same comment. Not about skipping time, but like eventually I I really do look forward to like having a group where we ju- we just
2: we just go just to the get together. Yeah, we just go to the McDonald's and sit there. My neighbor, true story, is in a group with a bunch of dudes who get together and they talk about bags. Sorry? It's like bags. So it's like book bags or computer bags or, like, designer bags or bags for this or that. And it's just like this Facebook thing he found, and they just get together, and they, they talk about the newest creations in bags. So
4: it's not just a Facebook group where someone's like, did you see the new duffel?
2: No, no, like they have meetings in the area. and They, they, they have
4: meetings? They show their bags to each other. Can you imagine leaving your house? Telling your wife,
2: "This is where I'm going. I'll be I mean, back whenever." My wife would
4: not believe me because who knows how
2: long the bag meeting is going to go. She might hire someone to go follow me to make sure she's like, "Yeah, Grant's out. It is bag meeting again." But I, I want whatever that is. Like I joned on him when I found out, as I think I should have. Rightly an extended so. Period of time. Yeah. Like, you're really doing that? It's your That's last insane. two seconds. You have a bag? So do I. Okay, bye. It's like on his calendar in his kitchen. I'm like, what's What's your bag meaning about? What is that? So then he explains it. I don't believe him. Then I ask his wife. She's like, it's totally a thing. He's a
4: bag enthusiast.
2: So a bag guy, but he has something where him and people yeah, get together. And during the pandemic, me and some of my buddies did a book club bit that played, and it was fun. I kind of looked forward to it, but I, I want a thing, and if I've got to be like 90 and just at Burger King, then that'll, I'm like, that'll let's, be it. let's do that now.
4: You just talk about the goings-on. Like, did you see the new construction? Did you, see, you know what they're doing? You know what work they're doing on the side of that road?
2: Like, that's what that's all they do? I just, I so badly, without dying, because it's so important for me to live. Yep. Breathing's the best. Being alive is all I want. You know, death just seems like not what I want. Right. I think death is terrible. So be. I think it. life is the best. Yep. I want to be living. Having said that, I kind of can't wait to be super old and just like wake up and I'm in bed and I'm like, do I go downstairs and scroll my phone or do I just lay here for a while? Like, ah, today I'll lay here for a while. I can't wait for that. So you know what happens?
4: I just can't wait. So like my my pops is now like fully retired, right? And so there's an event that we're all going to be doing in 3 weeks. He called me on Tuesday. About possible logistical permutations, <laughs> right, right, of that event, and it'll be like, now you want me to? I could drive, or you guys could drive me, or if we now we we both drove. Like, because the littlest things become major to dos when you don't have that much going on. When your big appointment is to walk around the neighborhood to get your steps in, like that's his biggest activity every day. He was he was so focused on almost a month from that date about like what we were going to do at
2: six p.m. on a Friday. It's you, yeah. you look forward, that's what happens. You look forward to things. All right, we got to get this quick, Darris. I think Darius said he had one, but we've got to squeeze it in. What do you got?
6: Uh, so yeah, um, the other night I asked my sister what she wanted for dinner on my way home. She wanted uh, Subway. Uh, I stopped at Subway. At first, I was like, I'm not gonna get anything, I'm just gonna go home. I'll probably make a quick something, whatever, at home. And then I look over next door to Subway, and the Popeyes had an empty line. An empty
2: line. What an empty hours. line.
6: That, that never that, happens. That does jackpot. not happen. At 7.30, uh, uh, you know, in Upper Marlboro, that never happens. So I go over and get in line, and I pull up to the window, and the guy, or excuse me, I pull up to the speaker. The guy says, you can come up to the window. Like, I, I didn't place my order. Yeah, well, so I thought there was a mistake. That? So I just ignored it, and I kept looking at the, the menu, looking for options. He said, he said it again. You can pull up to the window. I said, so wait, you're not taking orders here? He said, no. So I pull up. And there's two cars waiting at the window, and I said, there's no way that this situation's going to work at all. So instead, I look next door to the Popeyes, and Bojangles doesn't have a line. (laughs) So I go over to the Bojangles. Right, Right, Bojangles and Popeyes right next to each other. That's a whole thing. Go to the Bojangles, get through the line, get my meal and everything, get home, and realize Bojangles is not as good as Popeyes. Now, I know this doesn't sound like a winning off the field, but the reason it is winning off the field is because I now realize Popeye's is the superior chicken chain, and I'm no longer going to bo- go to Bojangles over Popeye's. Therefore, I am. Winning off the field.
2: I kept waiting for, like, I got something free. Yeah, there was an extra fry there in there. There were blueberry biscuits. That I pulled up, and he just gave me a bag full of chicken and said... That,
6: that would have been amazing. It yeah. would have probably made up for the food not being as good as Popeye's would have
2: been. That was quite a swerve. Uh, I felt sad for you that you didn't get to go to Popeye's. I don't know. I guess that's a winning off the field. You have conviction moving forward on your chicken establishment. Beltway Blitz is next, and we're giving away tickets to the DC Auto Show as soon as we return right here on Grant and Danny.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.